1: Boom! <laughs> 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 gonna feel real good, all right. Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. <laughs>
2: Buddy, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the Evening. Gang, we're gonna get into some uh, a troubling trend I noticed in the uh, in the date and time of these last couple of games, the scores, all of it. But first, let's just get right into it because we have a whole lot going on. Let's get through the introductions. Let's start off with tonight's special guest from Flyperbole. Steve Jaco. Hello, hello,
1: and I'm back. You couldn't, you know, keep me out of the room for some reason. I'm so sorry.
3: <laughs> I, for one, am glad you're here, Stove.
0: Thank you, Kelly. I was going to name. I, I think was... you need to prove yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm ambivalent. It's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm on the fence here. You, you got to have a good show for me to be, uh, be okay with you. to like results. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> exactly.
1: Dave Haxtell is the coach of this this podcast, right? So I should be okay if I just phone it in. Ouch. <laughs> As the Andrew McDonald of Broad
2: Street, no, I'm kidding. I don't want to be that. For the love of God, no. Would this make Would this make Steph the Andrew McDonald, or would it make her the Folan? Like I want, I want to be the Folan. Last week she was back <laughs> and it was good, so it's like, yeah, fuck it. Andrew McDonald's back in. <laughs> so Steph's the Folan, I guess so. All right, we'll go with the it. fly by herself,
3: Kelly Hinkle So one of the hazards of my part-time job with Broad Street Hockey is that I have to read a lot of um, beat writer content, and I'm not (laughs) referring to Charles because his is wonderful and great. You love it. But uh, there's been a lot of articles this week about how the Flyers don't have any fights this season, and I'm wondering who the hell cares about this. Apparently they do, but I'm not sure anybody else does. I
2: mean, there's a lot of commenters uh, who believe this is the problem.
3: Yeah, that's not the problem.
2: I mean, forget the 43 years in between Mm -hmm. where they won nothing, but since the Broad Street Bullies won two cups, that is how you win. They ain't got no fight!
3: Yeah, (laughs) that's not not
2: it. Yeah, I, I mean, I would... I would appreciate if there was like a fight every now and then. I mean but like on sure. my list of issues with the team, like it's I'd so much rather they that... kill a penalty. Mm. Like, there are
1: legitimately nice. people out there who think that the Flyers not fighting means the team doesn't have fight in them. There yes. are people this yeah. is their
2: exact
1: viewpoint on this.
3: Yeah, if you think that you should not think that anymore.
0: There have Old been a couple hockey. There have smart. been a couple times where it looked like there was gonna be a fight. And then the refs just broke it up and yeah, you're just like, could, like you just, could you just fight so we just cannot have not hear about That's, this anymore?
2: The refs very much seem like if a game is over, they're not going to let guys fight. Like, yeah. now nah, this is a waste of everyone's time. Yeah, I get that impression time. too. Like, uh, face punching for the sake of face face punching is over. Not just staged fights, but that misconduct they gave Simmons the other night was basically just, yeah, no, we're not letting you two beat the shit out of each other for no reason. No.
3: Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, when you get to a problem, that's the problem that the Flyers aren't allowed to fight because they're out of every single one of these games (laughs) already. So maybe
2: that, yeah. Maybe
3: Uh, we focus on that a little bit.
2: Last but certainly not least, from theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor.
0: So I've long been a proponent of handedness on a power play mattering. You know, you want the the passing lanes to be set up for for a right hander or a left hander, depending upon, you know, you got Claude Drew on the left side. But I have to say, I like JVR at that net front spot, even though as a lefty, he doesn't give Drew that passing option down low that Simmons or Patrick does. Maybe maybe not having that option, it's not like, Simmons was doing that well, taking that pass and doing anything anything with it afterwards. So maybe not having that option will force Drew to pass more to Couturier in the slot or Voracek on the other side on the other side of the, the power play. Like JVR looked good there on Saturday. He looked legitimately very good. He had that that one pass from Voracek. He did a little spin around flip thing that he turned into one of his like signature moves in Toronto. Mm-hmm. He looked good there. He looked he looked like he was jumping on loose pucks. And I'm more than willing to give this uh, this some time. Maybe him and Voracek can develop some chemistry, and then Drew doesn't have to do all the passing. I liked it, so I'm going to go against what has been my thing for a while, which is handing this
2: matters a lot on the power play. Let's just give this a couple weeks, see if it works. That's uh, in certain spots, I think it matters. But JV, I love Wayne Simmons. JVR is just a more skilled guy. Like other sure. than unsuccessful jam attempts, the only real reason for that passing option was other oh, right on top of Drew. Let me give it to Simmons. Let me take a step one way or the other, and hopefully he can get it back to me. That's it. There was really it's not like you could make anything happen from that play. Uh I want to see Patrick and JVR both kind of there and switching between the slot and stuff, but that clearly just isn't going to happen. So, yeah, I'm um, let's see what this let's see how this goes. These are probably, you know, at least four or five most skilled guys out there now. So, let's see what happens. I'm fine with this. this is a good this is a good-looking power play. The rest of special teams, we'll get to, but ugh. we will. I got to get to my thing, guys. So I've been thinking for the last couple weeks uh, that if this team has the same season as last year, but avoids the ten-game losing streak, they'll probably be in pretty good shape. Uh, as long as the this is the same team narrative holds up when talking about the positives as well as the negatives. Well, last year the Flyers defeated the Chicago Blackhawks in Philly for nothing to make their record eight six and two on November 9th. They went they then went on to lose the next 10 in a row going 0-5 and 5 and really digging themselves a hole that it would take 4 plus months of some very good hockey to get out of. On November 10th of this year the Flyers beat the Blackhawks. That's it. wrong. There was three er, three nothing was the score. Hey,
0: you're, you're the one who did the research,
2: man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they beat them four one in the game land. Whatever it was, they beat them oh, last, last year, year convincingly. Yeah. They beat them this year convincingly to make their record nine seven and one. They have since lost their last three games. After the three losses of the streak last year, the Flyers sat at eight, eight and three. After these last three losses, they sit at nine nine and two. Don't do this. You can't do this to me again. You can't possibly <laughs> do this to me again. You're no. killing William. No. I refuse to allow this to happen. Let me play. Let me just go out and fight. That's it. I'll fu- I'll just take a pounding to get our one fight out of the way, and then maybe it'll spark the team. I'll so Brandon Manning? Yeah, I'll take the beating. Absolutely. If it, it's mm. what we need. Guys... I I've, I've fought against, just because of circumstance, I have fought against this idea, oh, it's just the same thing every single year, because it's not. Circumstances have been wildly different. But they are, the, they are in the exact same spot they were basically on this date last year.
3: Yeah, they've just gone about it in a different way.
0: Kinda, kind of, but it's <laughs> sort of the same. I mean, they, yeah, maybe the 500 the, again. The top line hasn't been as good as it was last year, and the depth has been better this year. But yeah, it's pretty much the same. The same end result. And I was telling Bill before this, before the show, before the Flyers made the big four goal comeback and sent it to overtime on Saturday. That was what. What the point that Bill just made literally was one of my observations. Was that oh my god, this is the exact same way the 10-game losing streak started, where basically you had two games where they couldn't score goals because they got shut out twice in a row by Minnesota last yep. year, and then they just started like losing games that they probably shouldn't have lost. And Granted, they ended up losing the game, but by then I had already deleted the observation, so whatever. But it did feel, it felt weird. It, it felt like we're just kind of going through this again, which means they damn well better right the ship this week.
2: And that's where I'm going with this. Uh, I hate to dwell in the negative. You guys know me. I'm a ray of sunshine. I always say that. (laughs) But everything is lining up so closely uh, that I have to ask, how far does this thing get before Hexal has to do something? Like, say they lose their next two, even if they get a point or whatever, and they are now 0-5. They've lost five in a row at the exact point in the schedule where they had lost ten in a row last year. Like, accountability can't just be a buzzword like unacceptable just can't be this is unacceptable. I need to speak to your manager because that's how you that's that's how you get to speak to a manager. Just say unacceptable and now all of a sudden the person behind the counter will hit the button and call their manager.
1: As someone who worked in retail, I yeah. can tell you that's hundred percent
0: true. Yeah, just
2: just throw the word unacceptable out there. And if like Ron Hexdolf thinks that this is unacceptable, losing all these games, especially at a home as they have. Yeah, you're five hundred right now, but you are exactly where you were. And trending in the direction of a ten-game losing streak. Like, what would actually be? What would have to be? Uh,
3: I don't know, man. And <laughs> and I I feel like right before the California trip is when something should have been done. Like, maybe you don't fire the coach. I get that that's a big thing, but something could have been done.
0: Well, granted, they did write the ship on the on on the road did trip. They though. Well, like. I get that they won some games. Yeah, but what, okay, but, so if, if you're going to say that that wasn't, like, that wasn't good enough, what would have been good enough? They literally won three out of four games in the one game they, they didn't win. They lost it overnight. Like, what would have what would have been a successful trip if I've, that wasn't a successful trip? No,
3: I mean, okay, that was a successful trip, but I reject the idea that the, that them winning those three games was in some way writing
0: some kind of shit. I mean, it was definitely better than the alternative. It
3: was better than losing.
0: Which is what they were doing before that. True.
3: <laughs> but they, I mean, I'm just saying that, like, people keep using that as, like, a point
0: at which things started to improve but they didn't they were just playing crappy teams i mean it definitely improved now you could i I think there's a more sympathy to the case that that wasn't everything getting fixed but it was clearly better than what it was before the road trip like they were definitely playing better in those games than they did in the four or five games before
3: yeah i guess i'll concede that the players on the ice did perform better but they didn't actually fix any underlying issues that's
2: fair which I, I just, think is a bigger problem. Like, I just see this team falling into so many familiar patterns that I thought they were like I thought their their past failures were the things they were taking the next step from mm. in the whole let's bring in JVR winning matters at the NHL level now. All this stuff. Like Charlie laid it out here how it's not so much that they lose some games. Because every team's going to lose some games, and you're even going to lose three in a row sometimes. But when you see the same issues cropping up, and they're just inability to stop another team's momentum and they're just allowing things to snowball both both mentally and then in the outcomes like Charlie talks about how they just one lapse turns into three and you laid it out here in your article I'm not going to read directly from it but we saw it in the playoffs against Pittsburgh like one thing would go wrong and then suddenly Pittsburgh would have three goals in 5 minutes it's like ah maybe just let the one thing go on, go wrong and then you know and I'm not saying they need to fire the coach cuz we all don't like Hackstall I guess get it i'm not saying fire Le perrier because hey he's coaching a failing penalty kill i mean i'll say it yeah no I, <laughs> I, like, i'm not like i'm not just throwing those things out because they probably should happen i'm just like at what point is someone held accountable for all the same shit happening non-stop? A coach, a player, the general manager, anybody. Say they lose 10 in a row. Do you expect someone to be fired? Do you expect a yeah. trade? I,
0: like, I, if, if they lose 10 in a row, yes, I expect something to happen. It,
2: I, I expect, it didn't
0: last year, but I think circumstances have changed a little bit. Not necessarily in the way Hextall views the team, but in the way the people above Hextall view Hextall and the team. So I do think something would change if they lose 10 in a row. And it would be very interesting if they were to lose all three games this week because that would be six in a row going into going into a a I think they have like four four days off for, for the next game after that. Like That would be interesting. I don't think they're going to lose three games this week. I think they probably win at least one or two. But yeah, that that's when that's when stuff gets a little interesting. Because you're,
2: you're right. The November, this was the same time you're as the 10-game losing streak. You were at so. the exact same point in the schedule. You are there, and you have lost three in a row, and the situation is pretty similar. I'm just... Season's greetings from the Flyers. <laughs> I mean, things
3: could break right for them in one of these games... Over these next couple of days, but these are three very losable games. Like the Sabers are playing really well right now; they're getting good goaltending. The Rangers, I think, are on a winning streak. I think they're. On I, a, I feel I, like,
0: and this is just total. I don't have any stats by so the I feel Leafs. like they always seem to lose the Black Friday game. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. lose I the Black never Friday expect game, them to win the Black Friday game.
1: They, it's also it's Lunquist right? Like if they play Lunquist the fact is, no matter what. They'll probably still have a chance of getting shut up by it doesn't matter might how bad really. Yeah, Neither we might, we it might doesn't get, get the really backup matter. They because
3: they're think. playing Saturday as well, I think. Yeah. So we might get the backup, but I don't know. Oh, good. Yay!
0: Because well, the Flyers are also historically great against backup. We're we very always, good at that. And then they get what Toronto to close it out. Yeah, and, and which knowing is like, knowing this on. structure, like they'll probably beat Toronto. Oh no, yeah.
2: they're going <laughs> to lose those other two and then beat Toronto. It's like, oh well, they beat one of the best teams in they're the league. Back. everything's, everything's fine. fine. And then we'll just keep going. I like, and that's again. I don't want to dwell on the negative because they can't. Like they thoroughly outplayed Tampa. I don't care. Like they oh, did. advanced metrics mean nothing. No, they had the puck against one of the most talented teams in league for about 45 minutes on Saturday and just couldn't buy a goal until the final 10. Now, you know, as Kelly said, maybe don't wait till the last 10 to score. That would be (laughs) ideal. That was my analysis, (laughs) How are they good enough to be able to do what they did in that game against Tampa, but not good enough to avoid 10-game losing streaks? I I do think... And this is
0: totally going against my, uh, you know, my my credo as a stat person, but I do think a lot of it's emotion, and it's something that I that I, I you cited in this, you mentioned it earlier, but I'm just going to go in a little more depth about it. Is this this trend of the Flyers basically tanking a shift after something goes wrong because? In four games out of the last twenty-four games they've played, this has happened. You had Game Three of the Pittsburgh series, which was they gave up a goal to go down two nothing after they had dominated the first period of that game. They go down two nothing. They literally give up a goal five seconds later off a center ice face off. So that was that was number one game. They three. give
2: up goals off center ice face offs at an incredible rate. So that was number one.
0: Number two was the play in game six when Latang tripped Couturier, didn't get called. They score a goal immediately. 20 seconds later in the very next shift, they give him another goal game over. Then we're talking about Two weeks ago against Arizona, when Ghost loses the puck in the in the official in the official skates, gives up the shorthanded goal, and then the next shift, literally everyone on the bench is screaming at the official as Michael Grabner goes down as scores a yeah. second shorthanded goal, and then the same thing happened on Saturday when uh, when they get the two penalties called against Drew and Konechny. the Flyers are livid. They give up the five on three goal, which like whatever, it's a five on three goal. Man, it's it's ta- Tampa. It's Tampa. They're probably going to score on it. Fine, that's going to happen. But then the next shift is even. Worse. That's just a straight up power play, and you guys are just running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Like, this team struggles to just like, like rein it, it in. Yeah, right? it's, it's like somebody just needs to on the bench, just needs to be like, guys, we're doing it again. Take a big, friggin' deep breath. And, and it, it seems like no one is doing it. And like, you can blame it on Hacksaw and say he should call a timeout, and that's fair, but. He shouldn't have to. Like, this shouldn't happen four times in 24
1: games. And it's even the vets on the team, right? They're oh, it absolutely because is. like, you've got and Jake I, I, yeah, Check. and I love loses the vets, his but mind. The, yeah. G runs very hot. Simmer runs very hot. These are all guys that are, you know, the vets should be the ones that are leading the way, yeah. being a little more stoic for the younger guys. And the vets are
3: losing their friggin' minds. Yeah, Yeah, but we've had these guys for quite a while now, and this is not something that historically happened with them, like. Claude Giroux wasn't always melting down after something bad
0: happened. True, like, this is a recent true, but the thing. inconsistency on the whole has been a thing. And what I'm saying is that yeah. maybe it's maybe it's this like high and low emotion thing that drives this inconsistency. Because you see what happens when this team gets going. During those last ten minutes, that team believed they were going to win that game, mm-hmm. and they were just steamrolling the, the Lightning. Before that, the first ten minutes of that period, they were just kind of skating with their heads at it. And I don't think it's that they don't care. I think it's that they just get so like tense and angry and frustrated in their own heads. Yeah, and,
3: and like I out. don't, I. I really, like, I'm actively trying not to do this on every show, but, like, isn't that the, like, shouldn't the fucking
2: coach be doing something about that? I was going to say that Mm. next. Like, shouldn't
3: you, like, her Brooks, like, some shit (laughs) out of them, like, do something to get them going? It's almost as if
2: the coach has
1: uh, a tool at their disposal where they could make time stop and maybe address guys. Yeah, and,
3: like, I know you don't want to use your timeouts all the time like that, but every if you see this happening every single game, and it's a big game, and you see it happening. When, Maybe that time you
2: and call. I've now like. Actually heard the coach say things like, "When I got here, I noticed that this was a thing with this team that they uh, the emotional highs and lows. There was all that wasted emotion, Mm -hmm. and this was going to be the thing I tried to curtail. Well, it's happening at a higher rate. Yeah, so while your stoicism is like me, I don't is just being straight faced behind the bench enough. And again, this is not something I'm putting solely on the coach because as much as I love Claude Giroux, this is something at thirty years. Years old, he needs to be able to maintain. Like, oh yeah, for yes, sure. I right. believe that the the captaincy is mostly like a like a just a thing. Like, yeah. it's Okay, yeah, we'll just slap it on you so we can sell Giroud jerseys with C's on it. And it's about it's our best player. We want him going up and talking to the refs because he's a, a vet who can go talk to the refs. Whatever, fine. But there is an element of leadership to it. It is called captain like there is a little bit of that and I'm not not to single out Drew like it is all the vets Jake Voracek Wayne Simmons all these dudes Andrew McDonald. If your only purpose is your leadership, and this happens in the first game, you're back out there in two weeks. It's like, ah, maybe your leadership ain't worth shit. Like I'm j i am I mean, you got a point. Sometimes you guys gotta say, cut the shit and calm down. (laughs) Yes, someone needs to it's not just the coach, it's not just it's every single guy. And when it's happened, as Charlie said four times in the last less than months worth of hockey, it's probably
0: too much. It just, it seems like this is an issue, and again, like, maybe this is all just bullshit narratives. Maybe it is, but it it just feels like there's more to it, because this team has been so wildly inconsistent for so long that it feels like there's gotta be something to this beyond pure randomness. It it just does.
2: It really does feel like there's gotta be something behind it. This team is so frustrating and so hard to describe that our numbers guy... He, can't, <laughs>
3: he
1: cannot,
2: moving on. He he can't cannot quantify there's, this. There's bullshit. more to it. There's more to it than just the you know, than just the variables. It's, well, I was getting right. I was
0: getting raked over the coals. I think it was Thursday's game <laughs> oh, in the comments section of my article. I there were like five people like, Yeah, if you have to talk about stats in a, in a game store, it's not really worth it. You know, you can't you can't think stats matter. It's like, dude, dude okay, it took. Seven weeks for this to happen? All right, great. <laughs> and,
2: like, yes, <laughs> when you outshoot a team like forty-five, twenty-seven, the stats do matter. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like, <laughs> I realize the Flyers don't always have the best like high danger chances, but they're actually getting them on Saturday. Yeah, they like, were. They were actually creating chances. They just couldn't freaking score. <laughs> they should have had like twelve goals in that game. And it was like and that's the like it's not that this team lacks resilience or whatever because they do eventually bounce back they do yeah, yeah. as we saw yeah. like 10 game losing streak and then from that point on last year one of the best teams in hockey on Saturday fall down five nothing boom it's five five <laughs> in a matter of minutes or five one whatever the hell it was someone
3: wrote an article today I think it was Ellen that Pointed out how fragile and resilient this team. Yeah, is. yeah, I saw, I
2: saw that time. headline. And I didn't get a chance to read it, yet, but I saw the hockey expert
0: himself. It of
3: is both. Yeah, like <laughs> they they break apart at like if you blow on them too hard, and then but then they come back and score five goals against Tampa. At, and it's, it's
2: so hard to like try to describe what this like. People keep asking me, "Oh, like how are the Flyers doing? What are they?" I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't. They're the Flyers. Yeah, I'm like they're average, and they're at five hundred. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're the most—they're the most aggressively average team in history. They're
0: still
1: the most mediocre team in sports. <laughs> Last week's show—it was perfect. I don't know. I don't,
2: I don't know. know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know, fam. I don't know. was at. What are they? Okay. I don't know. Steve.
1: What do you think about the Flyers? Oh, goalies are hurt. Uh, sometimes the offense great. Uh, some of the defensemen are good. Sometimes and, I don't
2: know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're horrible. <laughs> Excellent segue there, Steve. It's like you should have your own show or something. Oh. Um, <laughs> So Brian Elliott's hurt again. Yay! That happened. <laughs> the Brian Elliott is hurt? How's How, Michael Neuwirth doing? How, well, about that. Out two weeks with a lower body injury, uh, it seemed as if the thought of moving injured him more so <laughs> than the act of moving. No, I It think seemed he, that the thought of having, shit. like, he's like, I already covered one wraparound, gang. I'm not doing it twice. No, some, I pulled my groin thinking about going <laughs> post to post.
3: Something happened. Like, I'm convinced that I'm going to blow out my knee, like, walking down steps like i feel like he might have just like twisted slightly at some point and then he was like oh god he's gonna wrap around oh god i have to push off oh god i can't push off like something happened in between those two things i haven't
2: seen a good enough shot of it i don't know what happened but almost like it looked like maybe his skate got hooked like buy a devil on the on the post. Oh, really? And then on the I don't I haven't seen a good enough shot. I can't. Oh, golden interference! I didn't call that one, but I don't know. But well, almost, already, they already they used the challenge. They could yeah, give it a challenge no, if yeah, they wanted mm-hmm. to. Uh, yeah, and it didn't matter. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, but they were losing that game. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> they were losing. It was, it was it was the freaking Devils in the middle of the week. They're losing. That's why I don't watch those games. I watch that one. I because I already missed. <laughs> because enough. you're a Yeah, it, I've already missed enough Saturdays. I can't miss midweek games too to do freaking post-games. But <laughs> people think there's some pattern developing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I just I really thought maybe he got hooked there, but it didn't matter. He nah. uh, Brian Elliott's hurt. I was surprised he's only out for two weeks. And the funny thing was that Hextall, so it it looked bad.
0: It looked bad. When yeah. he, got, he just rushed off the ice. He immediately yeah. knew something was wrong. And when we got Hextall, after Hextall and the Flyers announced the injury, somebody asked Hextall, you know, do you think you guys kind of caught a break here that it's only two weeks? And he looked at it and he said, no, I thought it was going to be less than two weeks. Really? Like, I'm you, you watched that and you thought it was going to be less than two weeks? I'd rather be back tomorrow. I thought it was, was going to yeah, be like February.
3: Somebody, <laughs> I, I forget who it was on Twitter, but somebody tweeted, like, after they announced that it was two weeks that, you know, I'll believe Brian Elliott is out for two weeks when Brian Elliott is playing hockey in two
2: weeks. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I know don't that, believe it at yeah. all. And when he does come back, I fully I, believe it's going to be a matter of time before he's out again. I
3: kind of hope, wish that they would keep him out for longer because he's. A
2: fragile no, I boy mean for somebody right who's had
1: um, Oh, he's not a fragile boy. He's a fragile old man. How dare you?
2: For somebody who's had a pair I dare. he's had a pair of core muscle surgeries yeah. since last since last year, he's now having all these groin issues. This is this is one injury. This isn't a, oh, he just happens to have this other random... No, this is who he is now. He's a guy who can play a couple weeks and then get hurt because this is a fragile, injured area for him. Maybe he's back in two weeks, but as Charlie points out, that puts him on track for December 1st against Pittsburgh, which <laughs> is the worst possible thing that could happen because yeah. it will not only be a horrible, embarrassing loss for the Flyers, but it will get a Pittsburgh team back on track just in time to make their run and win a third cup in four
1: years. It's 100% <laughs> the rallying point for Pittsburgh this season. 100%. Yeah, oh, no. uh. yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, Elliot gets chased second period. He's given up six goals. Crosby has a hat trick, and it's like, oh, here, the, the Penguins are back. It's yeah. like, oh, great. I it's wish wonderful. that you would
3: all stop putting this evil out into the universe. It's not me. It's
2: the universe. It's this was actually me. I, yeah, put, one, I put this in the outline. This one was Charlie. <laughs> I love that the, like, again, the numbers guy is now going narratives because that's who this fucking team is. They've broken both Charlie and William. <laughs> Charlie. I was so optimistic coming into this season. So guys. was I, man. And now I can think of nothing but negative outcomes. It's like, not fun. They lose three in a row and all I can think of, oh, this is getting to 10.
0: Like that's
1: all I can think of. You don't have faith in Cal Pickard to stop
0: it. You know what The don't. Cal Pickard. Okay, so, so he's just not that good of a goalie, right? Like we, we like, can just generally agree with this.
3: Who could have guessed that a waiver wire AHL yeah. goalie
1: would <laughs> they not be good? Let the best goalies out on waivers. Let me tell you.
2: Yeah, in a, uh, in a league that's just like, oh yeah, everyone needs a goalie. Yeah, we don't need a We goalie. don't need this guy. We yeah. can
3: lose him for nothing. It's fine. And then we pick him up and Flyers fans are convinced that he's going to be the savior of the franchise. And lo and behold, he's actually terrible. Well, I okay, got, Alex
1: like, Lyon, Anthony Stolares, pick Stolares? a guy out of a hat. Stolar? Stolar? Stoli? St- I mean, I've just never, I've never heard I'm tired. Stolarz's Leave me alone. I've Stolarz. had a long day. Even,
0: even for Bill, that would be a crazy pronunciation.
1: I'm, I'm old. Get off my... Lawn, Charlie. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Uh, that good night, awesome. good hockey. I'll see you guys later. Uh, Steve,
0: yeah, we don't have any. Steve, goals. you've just That's earned your point. right to be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the fence until that. That was awesome. <laughs> but seriously, with uh, with Pickert, like. There's as I've said before there's a reason why the guy was the fourth goalie on Toronto's organizational depth chart last year. Yeah. And after it was it was after Saturday's game one of the people commented on my articles and said, "I was surprised you didn't have a, a you know a, an observation saying that Pickard had a bad game." And I honestly responded with this is about what I expected.
2: Yeah, when he has a good game is when it's like, yeah, yeah hey, Ken, yeah. we got something out of Cal Pickard. Like, he's just... like It's, it's Cal Pickard it's against Cal the freaking Pickard. Lightning. What did yeah. you think was going to happen? His ceiling is ah, decent enough backup. Yeah, that's exactly. The, exactly. The, uh, when he plays good games, all right, we got that one out of him this week. Now we need to play someone else because it's not going to be that good tomorrow. Uh, is it just Alex Lyons up? Do you give him the reins? Is What, what the I hell mean, can they possibly you do? You might as well... I'd, I'd yeah, start I mean, I'd start lying.
0: Matter. I'd start lying. At the very least, one of these three games, maybe two.
2: I mean he he
3: performed admirably last season. Yeah, he's fine. He was a warm body. I would not <laughs> he owns the I pad. would say to myself, I trust Alex Lyon to do better than Calvin Pickard on any given night.
2: I'm rooting to be able to believe that, <laughs> I, like that's I want Alex Line to be successful. Yeah. So sure, uh, because I uh, he's been here. I've seen him play before. It hasn't been the worst thing I've ever seen. He was better than Peter Morozik last year, mm. I guess. Like that's I something.
0: Mean, not 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 a particularly high bar to clear, but you no, are wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> He could he could both turn left and right. So better than <laughs> better than pre- Peter Marozik. Uh like. How do they? Is this just weather the storm until Carter Hart's the number one goalie? Is this what we're dealing with? I think that's until what we have. Is there? Yeah. Is there no other option? I here? do think
0: that. My guess is that they're going to go out and get at least an acceptable number one in the offseason. Bob, not Bob. Well, because you'd have to sign Bob to a seven year deal, and they're yeah. not going to do that. But I do think they're going to go.
2: Again. I do think
0: they're going to go out there. Bring him the, up. The only way I, I see Make that right. I see that not happening is if Hart just. Owns in the second half, like to the point where you just decide, yep, he's the guy. You know, get it, get an Elliott type to to split forty games and boom. But I do believe that they're going to let Elliott Neuvert walk. I mean, Neuvert is being wow. Neu- is getting be, being allowed Neuvert to walk. be walking. I was yeah. going to say, can even get hurt walking <laughs> out. Yeah, I mean, they're going to let him go out in a wheelchair. Yeah, but, and I think they're going to go out and they're going to get someone who can either sh- either take the line share of the load with heart or just keep heart in the HL for a second year and get, you know, someone plus someone. I just... Because you can't... You can't have a roster compiled the way this roster is compiled and just kick the can down the road perpetually Jesus on Christ goaltending. No. 45 you can't. broken goalies aren't working? I mean, you just signed James Van Riemsdyk to a $35 million contract at age 29. You can't go into another year with Brian Elliott and Michael Neuvert if Carter Hart is not ready. You have to get some type of better stopgap than this. You have to, or else it's just organizational malpractice.
2: Yeah, and it's just I like that we talk about the you know waste of Claude Giroux's prime and all that stuff. But at a certain point, we have all these young guys who seem to be getting better. You know, these prospects that we've been touting for a while are all coming along. Whether it be Nolan Patrick, TK looked like after that penalty, he started to figure some things out. Linblad's been looking good. Yeah, Travis Sanheim looks pretty pretty good. Like all these guys coming along. JVR is back. Giroux producing. Voracek producing. How do you not have a goalie? Like I, I realize they have six, but not one of them is like an NHL starter at this point in their careers. They need one of those. I don't care who it is. They need one. Yeah, yeah. Elliot? Of where does he actually come from? I
0: do think that Elliot is closer to being that than most people give him credit for because. The main thing that's dragging down his numbers is the penalty kill. And yeah. I don't pin that on him. I pin that on other things oh, no, that we I will think, talk about in a few
2: minutes. I think Brian Elliott is good enough talent-wise. It's just over for him being able to start more than 35 yeah, he games. Yeah, can't,
3: he can't take this kind of load anymore because... <laughs> he's broken.
0: He's 33, and he's, yeah, he's kind of being held together by duct tape and probably and a lot of
3: hanging. And he's forced colors. to play too many games in a row because no one trusts the guys behind him. Yeah,
2: I, honestly, I trace everything back to last December. That's... Yep. I think that's... It. You can't start every game in a month. A good, like, a 25-year-old goalie probably shouldn't start a month straight, let alone a 32-year-old, I I don't know. (laughs) So here's one of the things, one of the things that's honestly most frustrating about this team. And it's actually a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. But it's also frustrating. It's really frustrating. They're pretty good 5-on-5, which you haven't been able to say for, like, the last few years. This is a decent 5-on-5 team. Yeah, but, I mean, do you want me to give you the numbers? Yeah, let's hear the numbers. So to, they
0: so they have yeah, outscored the opposition so far, not dramatically, but forty-one to thirty-nine at five-on-five over the past ten games. They've won the expected goals battle of five-on-five five by a pretty substantial margin. They they've gotten fifty-six point four five percent of the expected goals after adjusting for for score effects. And they've also driven play from a raw territorial standpoint. If you're looking at shot attempts, they're at 51.77 in terms of Corsi. So they are driving play, and they've been driving play for the better part of two and a half to three weeks, and they can do so because now they don't have a Valtteri Filippo on line three dragging everything down. They have three lines that are legitimately pretty solid and can push play in the right direction, and they have a fourth line that, yeah, doesn't play that much, but it's not getting killed. So these are good things, but now I'll turn the table or turn the mic over to Bill, who's gonna tell you why that's frustrating.
2: Because the special teams are a goddamn joke. Mm. <laughs> okay, I understand, you know, you you come in against Tampa, yeah, yeah, thoroughly outplay them. Like in the first period, they outshoot Tampa 18 to seven. 18 7. But of course, Tampa gets a power play and there's just no stopping a scoring machine like Adam Ernie. You know, when I think <laughs> when I think Tampa Bay, oh, yeah. I'm like looking at the scouting report, Ernie, we need to stop Ernie. Even with no burp, this guy is just <laughs> a dangerous. fucking danger. Like, they can't. I think this was one of your bullet points, maybe, Charlie. They're not stopping second units. Yeah. Forge- yeah. Forget yep. the Kucherovs of the world. <laughs>
0: Adam Ernie. No, it's something I think that he had walked in off the street earlier that day, right? Yeah, right. It's something that has blown me away about watching this penalty kill is that. As as a Flyers fan, as Flyers fans, as, as most of us are, as I hope everyone on the podcast, like listening to the podcast, still is a Flyers fan at this point, um, we've we've learned that when the first unit leaves the ice, it's like okay, the okay they're probably not scoring. Like the, the the final minute, the final forty seconds of a power play, it's just okay. Well, hopefully yeah. they don't give up a goal, and hopefully they get some zone time, maybe create a few chances that would be nice. But you're not you, you assume that the chances of scoring on that power play are pretty much gone. So the Flyers have given up twenty. 20 Twenty power play goals this year. Nine of them have come in the second minute of the power play, and seven of them have clearly come from the second unit. You there is there's never a time on a pen watching the penalty kill where you think they've got this under control. No, it doesn't matter who's on the ice. You never think they have it under control because they always look like they're scrambling like chickens with their heads cut off.
1: Right, they're backing up towards the goalie. Oh, what's he going to do with the puck? I don't know. <laughs>
2: That's, I love this this little this little outtake here, Charlie. Sometimes you just put something together and it's perfect. <laughs> I love you. this is great sports writing. You you have a clip of the uh, of the power play goal they gave up, the one power play goal they gave up, and you just write: "There's no structure or purpose here." Scott Lawton <laughs> Scott Lawton goes for a hit that will take him out of a play when his team is already down a man. Dale Weiss misses on an opportunity for a clear. Robert Haig is caught in no man's land. And never really leaves it. And Andrew McDonald just feebly falls to the ice rather than truly challenge the puck carrier, which, I mean, that's... That should be on his tombstone, to be honest. (laughs) I just... How... How can you be this bad? Like they are sixty eight point six percent. Not they are sub seventy percent. Guys, we did it. We, we did are officially it. the worst the penalty worst. kill in hockey. Suck it, Ottawa. In, yeah, Hooray. take that, Ottawa. All, Ottawa. all that bitching in an Uber, and we're worse than you now. <laughs> Ottawa, whose players were caught making fun of their coaches in public, better than the Flyers. How, like, uh, uh,
3: imagine, uh, imagine how different. Uh, imagine how different this season would be going if they had an average penalty kill.
2: Yep. If they're special teams, and I'm, i throwing dead them, average because you know what? I th- I don't remember if I said this this week or on a, a pot, on a post game or whatever. Probably just, at some point. I, I'm, I'm willing to just say the penalty kill sucks because it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's it a bold statement, statistically proven. It just does, and there's apparently nothing that can be done about it. So we will give up power play goals at an and a historic rate, and that's just what happens because nothing was done to fix it. Oh, we're bringing back the same goalies. We're bringing back the same PK unit. We're bringing back the same PK coach. Maybe things will be different. Oh, wow, they're not. Okay. That's amazing. Weird. But the power play is also... I, they look like maybe they're getting it together with this new configuration. A little bit. But there's absolutely no reason not to have a good power play with, the play with the names of players on this roster. It basically seems like no matter who you put out there on a first unit with Drew and Goss' bear, they should be good. They are not. Yeah.
0: yeah, the power play needs to be better it, The power play, simply put, needs to be better And you use the word unacceptable a lot It is, it's unacceptable that the power play is scoring it as infrequently as it is this year I guess with the power play, I just I see enough good things That I think that it's, it's plausible to me that they can figure this out And it's frustrating as hell that they're not and hopefully Saturday, you know, Saturday they scored three goals. They finally got that one in the second period. And then it looked like it was like a freaking weight got lifted off their shoulder. I was like, oh, we can score on these? All right, let's just pop <laughs> two more in immediately afterwards. So hopefully that gets the gets the whole train going again. But yeah, they, the power play needs to be better. It absolutely needs to be better. And it's just a matter of finishing on your chances and just winning that last puck battle when it's loose in the slot. Like it's just it's the little things that they're that they're not doing right. They're doing a lot of the big things right. It's just the little things they just can't close out on their chances. Yeah, there's you know,
3: really no drastic difference between this
0: no. season and last season. Like
3: I did take a survey
1: of the fans in the upper level, though, and mm-hmm. they said they had one suggestion and it was to shoot more.
0: I have heard people say that on occasion, on occasion, on occasion in the Wells Fargo.
3: We're going to
2: have to open this up to a bigger sample size, I think.
3: So so Charlie put in the outline that he's got a stat about the penalty kill and I'm frightened.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I want to give some
0: background on this because the background is necessary to understand my thought process behind this. So I'm on Twitter today. People are talking about the penalty kill and a couple of people make the point that, you know, obviously the penalty kill the percentage is going to go up a bit because it's still early and you know, no one finishes with a penalty kill this poor. Yeah. So, okay. So, I'm, I, no, and, and I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. You know, I'm sure that there have been other penalty kills in the middle of November that probably got off to a really bad start and by the end of the year, yeah, they weren't good, but they were at least in passable territory. I'm sure this has happened before, right? So I started thinking, I want to check this out. How can I see... What penalty kills have looked like on November nineteenth in past seasons? So after going to a couple stat sites, and the thing with stats with with a lot of the advanced stat sites is, is that they only go back to like the lockout, the you know the mm-hmm. the lockout where we lost the season, so you can't go back that far. I found something. That, I like and, that, you have
2: to specify. Yeah, you know the which line, Yeah, which lockout? Right? Uh, yeah. Thank uh, you, the NHL. Second one of this of my lifetime, not the most. Yeah. But Hall okay. of okay. Famer
0: Gary Bennett. we are, we're we're. we're shitting on the NHL? I'll give the NHL credit. I found something that NHL.com is good at. They are very good at pulling date ranges for teams. So, what did I do? I went back, and I went all the way back to the 1982-83 season, and I looked at what penalty? What team penalty kill percentages were on November 19th. And I looked at the worst percentage in the league on November 19th. We're talking about seven weeks into the year. I didn't count the, the years that were, that were limited by lockouts because they started in January, whatever, the half seasons and whatnot. Okay, so the Flyers right now have a 68.6 efficiency percentage on the penalty kill. There has been one time in my lifetime since 1989 that a penalty kill has had a lower efficiency percentage on November 19th, and that was the 2010-11 Edmonton Oilers, which finished dead last oh, in the boy. league with 64 points. Every other year, the worst penalty kill in hockey on November 19th is was better than what the Flyers are right now.
3: So it's li- it, it's quite literally the second worst penalty kill
0: in the history of hockey. At least the modern for the, least for the last twenty nine years through the first seven weeks of the year. They have been that bad. They have been historically bad. This there's no reason to think this is gonna get better. You know the only times when teams were regularly lower than sixty eight percent? Let me let me throw this out there. You got okay in 1986-87 uh, in 69.1 was the worst at this time of the year 1985-86-68
2: nice. this is the height of the Gretzky say, era we're talking yeah. about an era where dudes put up 200 yes. points yes like, the goalies <laughs> never, hit, never hit the ice they
3: had no technique no, no. And, they just stuck their arms no, no, the out uh?
2: the goalies were drunk plumbers like <laughs> <laughs> like Al oh, Bernie Brown made six saves tonight. he leads the league <laughs> by
0: 400 points that's how bad the penalty kill has been to start the year is that they are compared Terrible to the worst penalty kills Ever. during the height of the everybody gets goals era. Oh, my God. I It's mind-boggling how bad this penalty kill has been
2: to start the that year.
3: That makes me so mad. So,
2: Thanksgiving food takes. What are you <laughs> making? <laughs> I'm making a pie. Turkey. Yeah. The worst meat. <laughs> I, I'm not going to get into this with you again. I've never had. You're
3: cooking it pecan wrong. Pecan pie. <laughs> I'm going to bring you some. Okay.
2: Anywho... Um, that's you have f- this American Thanksgiving thing. That's oh, what yeah. I wanted to get to.
3: Okay, let's do it.
2: I, lo- I just wanted you to say American Thanksgiving.
3: Yeah, so <laughs> traditionally, upon American Thanksgiving, if you're in the playoffs, you're in the playoffs. If you're out of the playoffs, you're out of the playoffs. I think this is
0: an Elliot Friedman idea.
3: Is it? What, did, oh no! Is is he the uh, Friedman is, has? He has something else, right? We talked about
0: this. Yeah, Friedman sports. does have a thing. He yeah. has a thing. Yeah, it's I forget what it different.
3: was. It's like a something that traditionally the hockey media kind of harps on. Harps on. Yeah, and I pulled from Sam Carchetti's article today that in the cap era, seventy eight percent of teams on the outside of the playoffs at Thanksgiving remain outside the playoffs. Um, last year, the Flyers were one of the teams in that twenty two percent who were in. outside and they got in. Um. yeah. Flyers are currently sixth in the Metro right now. Five points back from a wild card spot as we record this. Last
0: how far year. back are they in the division, though? Like, how far back are they from the third place team? Are they closer? Because I know the Metro is all like jammed up together, right?
3: I don't think it was very far. I want to say four points, but I'd have to look at it. Up.
0: So they are two points behind the Islanders okay. for third. So really, they're only two points out of a playoff spot. They're far behind, yeah. I guess, the other division, because the other division is playing better. But I guess it's theoretically possible that if they win Wednesday and the Islanders yeah. don't when they could be tied? I don't know. They're probably going to still be out of a playoff spot by Thanksgiving, right?
3: If I'm yeah. if I'm going to trust the website that Kurt showed me where you can look back in time and see where teams were in the standings on a particular date. You
1: got that from Kurt. I wouldn't
3: trust yeah. that. Yeah. Last year on Thanksgiving, uh, we were dead last in the Metro. 13th
0: overall in the conference. Makes sense. They were in the heart of the 10-gamer.
3: Yeah. And we, you know, clawed back to a playoff spot. But I don't know about you guys. Somehow I feel like more bleak this year than I did then. Uh, like... It feels less. Uh, See, I, feel I, feel, about I
0: even I, I, I feel like. more optimistic this year than I did last year. Yeah, I believe that this team is better. Yeah, exactly.
3: Well, that's what's that, I, and I think that's like at the heart of the problem for me is that I was so optimistic about this season and so convinced that this was the year that they were going to turn the corner and start doing stuff, and they're not. Yeah,
2: the fact that they're exactly where they yeah, were it's last like, year. What that's <laughs> like, is happening? I will. The way I'm looking at this optimistically is. We've all been watching Flyers hockey for a while. I have been a fan of a lot of teams that in November and December, I'm like, going to the cup. Done, Jeff Hackett, absolutely the goalie that's going to get us there. <laughs> He's our boy. Like, yeah, uh, pre-vertigo. So maybe <laughs> there's something to peaking too early. Like this is a, this I don't know. Is, this I is mean, the team
1: after the 2010 team peaked way too early.
2: Yeah, this is a second half team. Maybe something like yeah, like the 20 like el- the Penguins, the 2010 11 team. Like they yeah. killed it
1: in the first half. They were in the,
2: They were in the you know, they're in the uh, President's Trophy race until, like, the last month of the season, and at the end, it was just like, yeah, we all hate each other. Uh, <laughs> For what it's worth,
0: Hacksaw's teams do tend to do better in the second half, and this is, this is a trend that even goes back to North Dakota, from what I've heard. Like, I don't have the, the, the data, but North Why Dakota North Dakota fans I talked to, yes. uh, bef- like, when he got hired, said that they were always a second-half team. The Flyers had a very good second half his first year, because they had... Basically, ghost driving that whole thing. The second year was the only year they didn't, because that was the year they had the ten game winning streak, and then they just like fell off a cliff in January and February. But granted, the final five or so weeks of the year, when they put Couturier and Shen and Dale Weiss's as the line, they actually started winning games, and they <laughs> called up Jordan Wheel. So they did finish strong. It was just over by yeah, them. It was, it was then last year they were good in the second half again. They they you know nah. recovered from the ten game losing streak. So you know maybe this is just part of the Dave Haxell experience that they do tend to. Figure things out as the year goes on. That also then leads to the, well, why the hell don't you just figure it out earlier and it's, then do well all like, year? But willing, I guess that's just not possible. Like, and
2: that's just one of those things I'm willing to accept as it, when a coach is new or when a group of, when a core is getting to know, like, uh, this, the is year, period. this is year four of Dave Hackstall. Yes. This core has been together for seven, yes. eight years. Like We I... should not be slow starting. What are yes, you figuring like, out? Just don't put yourself in position to lose 10 in a row. Two years in a row. That's all I'm asking. I mean, they, they've <laughs> the only lost three. Asking.
0: They've only lost three. Chuck, I'm just saying. You know where this is. going. I'm by. just saying. You know where this is going. I, I, I have I have concerns, <laughs> but I don't think we're we're at that point Cal yet. Talk, talk to us this. next I Monday. I will see what you're If they've about. lost six straight,
2: they're out of goalies. They're giving up more. <laughs> they're giving up more goals than uh, penalty kills did when Wayne Gretzky was like, "Yeah, I had seven tonight. I played like shit." <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> i again i'm trying to be optimistic i'm looking to i'm looking for things but like man just don't why how how do I, how do you just surrender I don't understand. i'm 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 more i'm more perplexed than anything and one of the things yeah. i'm most perplexed about as Kelly puts it ivan Provorov, what the fuck dude <laughs> Like, how are we going through this? And I guess the one thing is just maybe things just aren't going right for him for the first time in his career. We've addressed this before. Charlie said, said, like, you know, maybe we just, except for that Chicago game when he was minus five and it was, oh, he's making rookie mistakes. I'm like, no, falling down isn't a rookie mistake. That's just playing like shit. Like, that's the only time we ever saw things snowball for him and really get out of hand and he was just playing poorly. Since then, it's been an, a pretty good upward trajectory. This is that first time he's hitting bumps in the road, and we're not prepared for it. But uh, have a good game. Have we can't have nice game. things, Bill. We can't have nice things. We finally get a
1: legit number one defenseman, and then, you know, just come on. We yeah. can't have nice things.
0: I'll tell a little story from Saturday's game. So, the, the one play that really stuck out as the really bad per play was the Braden point goal. When Point just got inside position on him, basically, you know. And Point is not a big dude. He's like 5'9 at best. And he just outmuscle Provrov in front of the net and just slam dunks at past Picker. Picker had no chance. And he Purov was on the ice with Gudis. So Proveroff from all from my angle. All you could see was that it was a single-digit player, and I see Gudis, and I think, oh, that must be Sandheim. That makes sense. Sandheim often does struggle in net front coverage because it's just not something he's totally mastered yet. This must be Sandheim, and then Provorov turns, and you realize that's not a six, that's a nine, and I tweet out. That was Provorov who screwed that up. And Bill Meltzer, who's two seats down, looks at me and he said, I just tweeted that was Sandheim because I thought the exact same thing. I thought it had to be Sandheim. <laughs> and and we looked at each other like, yeah, that like this is not Ivan Provorov. This should not be Ivan Provorov." We, both of us, were so certain in that moment that it could not have been Ivan Provorov because Ivan Provorov wouldn't let Braden friggin' point, a small dude, just totally manhandle him in front of the net. But he did. It just happened. And like... What do you get? And then in the third period, Sanai had the same opportunity against Braden Point, and he won the battle. And you're like, "Well, shit." Yeah. What the fuck, dude? What's going on, Ivan? Yeah.
2: I, that's it's one of like I just keep asking the question because I don't have answers. It's just he's playing poorly. I want to say maybe I think shoulder's still bothering him or something, but it's I just, keep expecting it to turn around, yeah, and it just keeps not happening. Looked like he was about to. On the West Coast after the hit on, uh, what was yeah. it, on Barzell? It looked like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Starting to get his feet under yeah, him. And he again. was
0: good. He was pretty good on the West Coast. Yeah. He still wasn't 100% Ivan Provera from last, from especially the second half of last yeah. year, but he looked a lot better. And then he got back home and it was just back to the same stuff. That's What so, do you
3: call a sophomore slump in the third year?
0: Junior slump. I don't like that. Uh, and it doesn't better. have the same junior ring jinx. to it. Junior jinx. Yeah. Okay. Eh, there it is. Okay. That's all right. solid. All right, all right, now there's two times where I'm glad you were on the show
2: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray. So as as much as I I'm, I'm going to, you know, trash Dave Hackstall pretty much all year until Yay. and in the future until he's no longer the coach, I have to say overall, I'm pretty happy with the lineup. I don't hate it. Right? No, it, it, the uh,
3: when uh he took LaTerra out. It was like, hey,
2: that look at this was. Guy. I couldn't
1: believe that actually
2: happened. He's there doing were, it. There were people on Twitter who, like, I said, I'm genuinely shocked that mm-hmm. Yuri LaTerra is coming out and NAK is keeping his spot. He and made like, the well, right decision? Yeah. They're like, well, maybe it's because LaTerra is the slowest player in hot. I'm like, I'm not saying I, I want it the other way. I'm we saying, all know he's I'm the genuinely in shocked because it hasn't been an impediment to keeping him in the lineup for the last, like, hundred or so games.
3: I mean, of course, then he takes out Fulham, who's. Been playing well and puts Amek in for he, no discernible reason. That
2: was like, I guess, coming off of a loss. It's just like, well, let's get him back in. But well, no, tinker. because got a
0: tinker well, because he played on Thursday because Gudis was sick, and it was almost like he just. He got that one taste. Yeah. He's like the he's like the you, he's like the guy who like hasn't eaten chocolate in a year, and he has one piece of candy.
2: It is I just I I need it all. I, I need a it all, I need
0: more amac. <laughs>
2: no, no, it was straight up like got out of rehab immediately bought drugs. Like, like, it was
0: bad. <laughs> See, I was trying to stay away from the draw. I was trying yeah. to go with like a like a, a lighter thing, but hey, go for no, it.
2: No, amac is this guy's drugs. <laughs> he just can't put down the McDonald needle. But he it's can't. <laughs> I just and I, I, you know, it's Christian Follen. It's not Sanheim. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I guess that's the improvement. Is that uh, you know what? At the end of the day, Christian Follen's Christian Folin. It's, it's Sandheim still gets to stay in there, and that's good. But why? Why are we tinkering? Uh, is it just? I mean, they are losing. They are play? losing.
0: So you know, coaches when the team is losing, coaches like to tinker because at this point, I do believe this is the reason why coaches tinker with lines. They tinker with lineups is because. At this point Make in it the year, like you're doing something. Well, you, your your system is your system. You're not gonna overhaul your system in mid-November. So for you to feel like you're doing something, like actively doing yeah. something to improve the thing, you kinda have to juggle lines and you kinda have to move guys in. Or else really, people are just gonna start wondering what exactly you're doing.
3: But if he paid any attention to the advanced metrics that you so often tweet out about these kinds of things I do sometimes he would not have pulled Fallen he would have pulled somebody else because at the time Fallen had really good numbers
0: yeah I guess Fallen what was it he had that one play was it Thursday where he like screened I mean he's always whoever. good for one yeah, giant I mean, fuck Fallen's up Fallen he's yeah. a third pair defenseman I do agree though for the most part I'm okay with this lineup like the, yeah, for, the is, forward yeah. core I think really the forwards are pretty much exactly how I would have them yeah because what's what's your fourth line? Your fourth line now is Lawton mm-hmm. at center, Aubay Cabell at right, and Wees at left. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the best fourth line you can have. And your your top three lines are basically what you what you want. I, I like the Limblom Patrick tandem. Mm-hmm. I like that they have the first line back together and that's starting to click. And I like JVR with Wheel. I I, like I, I, I don't dislike that that JVR Wheel Simmons line. I don't dislike it. The only things that I would change would be. I would love, and I just don't know if he's going to do it this year, I would love to see him try as sanheim as the second pairing rather than the mm. third. I, w- I would love to see him give that a shot, because right now they're very clearly being used as the third, unless the team is losing. That's what I am saying. And then, they, say, then yeah. they ramp up Sanheim's ice time. He's like, well, we're down. We need the offense guy. But I'd love for them to just be the second pair, period. And then I think, I think honestly, what I would do, because... I, you know, we're, we're in emergency, you know, case of emergency break last time. Put Ghost and Provorov back together and, yeah. and see if that yeah, gets, see see gets Provorov yeah. going. Because, nothing, like, yeah, they didn't work to start the year, but I think Provorov, while he's still not Provorov, is better, is at least better now than yes, he was yes. in the first couple weeks. Yes. So maybe putting him with Ghost will get them both going, and then you have that as your first pair. sandheim Goodis is your second pair. And then some tandem of Haig, and McDonald is your third pair that you
2: shelter. And that's kind of, I guess that's the issue is what, when we've talked about this before, when Provorov and Ghost are split, well, Sandheim's going to be the third pair. Yeah. You're going to want to get those two on the ice more, even if Sandheim is outplaying at least one of those guys or both. Uh, Do I want that third pair, man, is just so. Not good. Yeah, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> like a, as much, and Haig is coming along, and Folin's been fine, and Andy is Andy, whatever. But but you don't really want to coming along you, when, and th- fine together. Yeah, when when two of those three are absolutely yeah, we're, they're paired up. I just don't. I don't know, but I. But if if they're getting third
0: pair minutes, and if they're they're being held away from first lines the same way that they've been holding Sandheim and Gudis away, maybe they don't look as bad. Because all three of those guys have been used in a top four role all year. So when they make mistakes, it's more obvious because they're playing against fours that can Mm -hmm. immediately take advantage of it. Maybe if they're against Adam Ernie's Instead, <laughs> maybe they don't look as bad I don't know, and i don't I, and I also don't know if Gouda Sanheim would look as good if they were getting tougher, tougher matchups, but you know what they're freaking killing it in their matchups now, so why not give it a shot
2: and that's the like man, we should have been doing this with Sanheim last year so he could hit the ground running this year. that's my would have been issue. nice but because yeah. Sanheim is looking like he's gonna turn into a very good player, and if we just had if the coach had the trust in him uh speaking of, like. I don't know, how shocked is everyone that Nak is still here? I didn't. Oh, completely we didn't, shocked. We didn't touch on it enough. I don't. A little think. bit. Yeah. It didn't. He was getting five minutes, and they just decided. You know what? Yuri is that bad. I, like, <laughs> after he started the year pretty well, was I don't know. He but, definitely tailed off. Yeah.
0: He, he started to tail off and look far more like the Yuri from last year. Still not quite as bad, but he definitely looked more like the Yuri from last season. Yeah. And, you think
1: he ran out of something that was making him go a little bit?
0: Like, I have no idea what you're implying,
1: oh, Steve. Like, dear. like maybe
2: he had a really good connection and then it got yeah. busted, and he was like, "Oh man, I haven't had that shipment in two months," and oh, then he slowed down. Yeah, and then he he slowed down. It's it's real weird, real weird, guys. I am kind of surprised wow.
0: that Nak is still here, but they've liked him. They've they've liked what they've seen, and he's he's a player. He's clearly an NHL player. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's that cle- guy. He's clearly an NHL player, and I'm hoping that he can be a good. Third liner. I'm I have I have expectations that he could be a good third liner in the NHL. And it's just it's weird that he's getting so little ice time, like like so few minutes, but hey, he's doing pretty well in them. And you put him on a wing with Lawton, like that tandem straight up has been pretty good. And then Weiss has been not Dale Weiss-ish this year. Suddenly that's a pretty good fourth line.
2: Yeah, I I have no problem with the fourth line. I do wonder how long Jordan Wheel's going to hold down this 3C spot. I just feel like I see it slipping from him. Maybe. But who would they put in his place? Scotty. They've really been hesitant to use him in that role. They have. I just, at a certain point, you're going to run out of options. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe and hopefully we, or not we.
1: Hopefully, Wheel just finds a way to hold it down. I
0: would love it. I I, am. I think he's looked good for the most part outside of really dumb penalties in some games. Wheel's advanced metrics have been fantastic this year. Like if you are if you are someone who really buys into the importance of of things like Corsi and expected goals, he's killed it. That fourth that that first, third line has driven play to a very, very strong degree. And I have to think a lot of it's Wheel. Like he, just, he makes smart plays. He's just not scoring a lot. It, to me, it's still a massive improvement over Valtteri Filippola, but obviously, oh, yeah. ideally, you'd want a third-line center who can score a yeah. bit more than Wheel can.
2: Do we like JVR and Simmons together? I haven't hated it.
1: Yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah, I like it so far.
2: Okay. Guys, I think that's pretty much everything I have planned. Does anyone else have anything? Uh, no, I got my penalty kill tidbit bit out okay. there, so I'm, I'm happy. Well, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. If you don't subscribe, and I'm talking directly to you Mac users out there, <laughs> subscribe on iTunes, write a review, give us five stars, do all the things you're supposed to do with podcasts that you allegedly support. Why haven't you given us the thumbs up? Why yeah. haven't you written a review saying how good all of us are? Now is your chance. To earn our love, Do you know, it. listening isn't enough. You gotta get on to the iTunes store. You gotta give us five stars. Write us a positive review. Uh, I'm told to push this, so I'm pushing it on all of you out there listening. Forcefully, um, yeah. Now you gotta threaten people; That's otherwise, true. they don't listen. I know. Be listen, nice if you wrote a
1: five star hyperbole review on the old feed. Write a new one for the BSH, yeah. BSH Copy Radio and
2: paste. Field. It's really the easiest thing in the world. Exactly. And then make, make a whole bunch of burner accounts. Yeah. And write even hey, more Br- reviews. Brian Colangelo style, huh? Oh, just why not? Why <laughs> not? All right, guys, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio. For Kelly, for Steve, for Charlie, my name is Bill Mats. Have a great week, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. We need to talk about